During the turbulent days following the French Revolution, a man decided to start his own religion, his very own religion. And he had trouble attracting new converts to his religion. And so he asked someone for some advice. And his friend gave him the following advice for starting his own religion. He said, to ensure success for your religion, all you need to do is have yourself crucified and then rise from the dead the third day. And that will help you in having your own religion. And you can imagine his religion disappeared because he was unable to follow that advice and unable to do that because only one person, the Lord Jesus, ever met that qualification. And that's what Easter is all about, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ray Pritchard said the entire Christian faith, the entire Christian faith hangs on this one fact. Jesus rose from the dead literally, physically, bodily, visibly. And it's so important to recognize that. He rose from the dead literally, physically, bodily, and visibly. And in preparation for our Easter celebration of the last couple of weeks, we have been spending some time with the Lord Jesus here in the Gospels. We looked at the first week of Jesus and the dying thief. Then last week we looked at Jesus and a weeping woman. And today we want to spend just a few minutes talking about Jesus and a doubting disciple. Jesus and a doubting disciple. Now remember, as we read the scripture today, this is the resurrected Lord Jesus. He's already gone to the cross. He's already gone to the grave. He's alive and he's alive forevermore. And we pick up our reading there in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. The Bible says there, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now notice verse 24. But Thomas... One of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. And after eight days again his disciples were within. And Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Verse 28 says, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that believing you might have faith or life through his name. Thomas, the doubting disciple, has come to be known, we call him many times, Doubting Thomas. Maybe somebody's even said to you somewhere in your Christian life. Now, don't be a doubting Thomas about that. But a Bible scholar uh, of no reputation as great as perhaps John MacArthur says, uh, that may not be the most fitting label for him. He was a better man than the popular Lord would indicate. He says it is probably as fair, however, to say that Thomas was somewhat of a negative person. He was a worry wart. He was a brooder. He tended to be anxious and angst ridden. He was like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Those of young children understand that. Others, it's been a while, you're like, Winnie the Pooh. He, he anticipated the worst all the time. Pessimism, rather than doubt, seems to have been his besetting sin. So whether you want to call him Doubting Thomas this morning, or Negative Thomas, or Pessimistic Thomas, his story is one of encouragement to you and to me today. I want you to notice very quickly, first of all, his absence. His absence. We find in verse 24, it says, but Thomas was one of the twelve called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. When you looked around church that Sunday evening and you were looking around at the crowd, you noticed that you couldn't find Thomas. And the reason was because Thomas was not there. Now, the question is, why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he with the other believers? Why wasn't he with the other disciples? Well, we don't know. We're not told. All we can do is speculate. Perhaps he was so depressed by all that had happened to Jesus and his crucifixion, he simply wanted to be alone. Perhaps he was struggling with his feelings, his emotions, his faith. But for whatever reason, he missed being there that night. And beloved, he missed out in a big way. He missed seeing the resurrected Lord of glory. He missed seeing the Lord Jesus alive again. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, Thomas is a good warning to all of us not to miss meeting with God's people on the Lord's day. He said, because Thomas was not there, he missed seeing Jesus Christ, hearing his words of peace and receiving his commission and gift of spiritual life. He had to endure a week of fear and unbelief when he could have been experiencing joy and peace. Remember, Thomas, when you are tempted to stay home from church. You never know what special blessing you might miss. And I think how true, how true. When you miss out, beloved, you miss out in a big way. Hebrews 10, 25 says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Thomas missed out in a big way. His absence. Thankfully, he did show up the next week. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but let's talk about his unbelief for a moment. We've seen his absence. Notice his unbelief in verse 25. It says in verse 25 of our scripture today, the other disciples, therefore, saith unto him, we have seen the Lord. Can you picture this in your mind's eye? The other disciples run into Thomas later and they're there. and They say, man, you're never going to believe what happened at church Sunday night. He says, well, what happened? It said the Lord of glory came. The Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus came and stood in our midst. And we saw the print in his hands. We saw the place. We, we saw these things of our own eyes. The Lord came. He's alive. He's alive. But notice what happens. That verse continues. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails 
and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What was Thomas's response? It was unbelief. Unless I see him myself, unless I touch him myself, I will not believe. I've got to see it to believe it like so many today, like so many today. Now, now, before you're too hard on Thomas, because I think sometimes we are, are, are too hard on him. And I think MacArthur's right. He's a better man than we give him credit for. Because remember, this is coming from a man who was devoted to Jesus Christ. A man who loved Jesus. If you go back in John chapter 11, you'll find Thomas himself saying these words. He said, let's go die with Jesus. That's John eleven sixteen. That was when Jesus was going to head to heal Lazarus, raise Lazarus from the dead. And they thought for sure Jesus was going to be stoned. And Thomas says, let's go die with him. We're not talking about a man who hated Jesus. We're talking about a man who loved the Lord Jesus. A man who was devoted to him. A man who spent all this time with him. And he loved him, yet there's this pessimistic unbelief. I will not believe unless I see him and touch him for myself. His absence, his unbelief. Notice thirdly, and I love this, his surprise. His surprise. Look at verse 26. And after eight days again, his disciples were within. The next Sunday and Thomas with them. I don't know if Thomas came voluntary. I don't know if they said you're coming with us tonight and they took him. I don't know, but he was there and they're there in the midst. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut. You know, they shut the doors, locked it up for fear of the Jews. Jesus is in his resurrected body. He didn't have to knock. He just appears among them as he did the first time. He stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then I want you to notice what happens. The Lord Jesus offers to Thomas exactly what he said it would take for him to believe. Verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Can you imagine, beloved, Thomas standing there. And all of a sudden in front of him appears the resurrected Lord Jesus And he says, Thomas, here are my hands reaching here. Do what you need to do to believe. Don't be faithless, but believing. And beloved, I'm convinced today that Jesus spoke these words very lovingly. I'm convinced that he spoke them very tenderly. I don't believe for a moment he was rebuking him as much as he was loving him. Because his great concern here was what? The end of that verse, be not faithless, but believing. Jesus knew what Thomas had said. Nobody had to tell him. He's God. He's God. He knew what Thomas had said. He knew about Thomas's pessimism. He knew about Thomas's negativity. But these things did not hold him back from seeking Thomas. He came to Thomas where he was. He loved Thomas where he was. He came and appealed to Thomas right where he was. You know, as we've been studying these several weeks here, we've seen the gracious kindness and mercy of the Lord Jesus. He displayed it on the cross, dying to that dying thief. He displayed it. We saw it last week to Mary Magdalene as she stood there weeping by the tomb as he appeared unto her. And now we see it again with doubting Thomas. Don't be faithless, Thomas, but believing the songwriter was right when he penned these words. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. What a Savior we have today. 
Thomas, I don't want you groping along in depressing, faithless unbelief. I want you to have full joy. I want you to have the abundant life. I want you to rejoice in the fact that you serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. No matter what men may say, he's alive, alive, alive forevermore. And Thomas, reach hither, reach hither your finger. See the prints in my hands. Thrust your hand in my side and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm alive forevermore. Let me ask you something. Do you think that Thomas had to take his finger and reach it in those prints? Do you think he thrust his hand in his side? I don't believe for a second he did those things. I can in my mind's eye see Thomas falling to his knees at the feet of the Lord Jesus. He said these words in verse 28. My Lord and my God. If the Lord Jesus walked in here this morning. In bodily visible presence. Beloved, we don't stand up. We fall down at his feet in worship. We said worthy are the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Worthy, you are worthy in worship. I love it. Surprise. That's what Easter's about, isn't it? Surprise, he's alive. You thought he was dead forevermore. We see his absence, his unbelief, his surprise, but notice fourthly, I love to end on this note, his confession. He says in verse 28, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. What one called the greatest statement ever to come from the lips of the apostles. My Lord and my God. This was a defining moment in the life of Didymus, Thomas. The doubts were gone. He knew that Jesus was alive and alive forevermore. And perhaps you're wondering this morning, whatever happened to this negative fellow? You ever think about that? What happened to Thomas? I mean, he was pessimistic. He was negative. You can call him doubting Thomas. I think you can fairly say there. Yeah, he he did show some lack of faith for sure. What happened to him after the Lord of glory appeared? MacArthur again said there is considerable amount of ancient testimony that suggests that Thomas carried the gospel as far as India. And then listen to this. The strongest traditions say he was martyred for his faith. And he was martyred by being run through with a spear. And MacArthur says a fitting form of martyrdom for one whose faith came of age when he saw the spear mark in his master's side and for one who longed to be reunited with his Lord. Verse 29, notice Jesus' words. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I wonder, friend, are you blessed today? Having not seen him with your physical eye, have you believed in the Lord of glory, the Lord Jesus? That he died, he was buried, but arose again the third day victorious. And you put your faith completely and totally in him. Do you have new life? Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm like Thomas. Man, I've got doubts. I don't know about this. I mean, you think about this story. Here's a man who came and, and he lived a sinless life, did all these miracles. They nailed him to a cross, put him in a tomb, and he arose again. I have doubts about that. I don't know about that. Well, listen, if you have doubts about that, beloved, bring them to that empty tomb. And you will find the testimony is true. He is not there, for he is risen. 
He is alive. And Thomas, just as Thomas, bring those doubts and say, Lord, show me. And you'll find the testimonies true. He is not there. He is not here. For he is risen. And God's desire for you today, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from today, no matter what you've done, his desire is laid out here in these last two verses. It says many other signs did Jesus do, but notice verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Jesus wants to give you life, eternal life this morning. And that's found in his name and what he's accomplished on the cross. A friend went and visited an elderly woman. And this woman was crippled by arthritis. And out of love and concern, the friend said to this elderly woman, these words, do you suffer much? Do you suffer much? She responded as she pointed to her hand, yes, but there is no nail there. He had the nails. I have the peace. She pointed to her head and said, there are no thorns there. He had the thorns. I have the peace. And finally, she touched her side, her crippled body. She said, there is no spear there. He had the spear. I have the peace. I wonder today, friend, do you have the peace? He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He was buried for you. But praise be to God, he rose victorious on that third day for you, that you might have life. Be not faithless, but believing. Trust the Lord Jesus today as your own Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, it is with grateful hearts that we bow now. We thank you for the pierced side and hands of the Lord Jesus. Those marks he obviously still bears even in his resurrected body. Reminders of what price was paid for us. Thank you for your kindness, O oh God, to Thomas, not leaving him in that unbelief, but reaching out to him that he might have faith and then using him in a wonderful way to spread the gospel in so many ways. Now, Father, I pray today if somebody right now is struggling with those doubts, they bring them honestly to you and examine the evidence and see the testimony is true. He's alive and because he lives, they can live. Father, I'm sure in a group this size, there's at least one, if not many, who have never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I pray right now as we begin to sing this closing hymn, they'd walk this aisle and just say, Preacher, I want to know Christ. I want to have him as my Savior. We can put them as someone with a Bible, and they can come to know Christ as Savior. Work in this invitation, I pray. Thank you that we serve a risen Savior. We ask these things in his name. Amen and amen.